Our gospel reading for this morning is in Matthew's gospel, beginning in the 6th chapter at the 24th verse. We're back in the Sermon on the Mount material for the last time for a while, Uh, but I think this is an important passage. So Matthew wrote, Jesus speaking, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money, both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen the color and design quite like that? The ten best men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. And if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, it's really with an awesome sense of wonder that we watch the world unfold before us each day. Ordinary, simple things slowly bring awe and wonder to our everyday. And we can find blessing all around us. May such feelings keep us aware always of the subtle textures of life. Open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your words for us this day. Amen. You know, we worry about the things in our lives that we cannot see. And yet faith, according to St. Augustine, is believing what you cannot see, and the reward of that faith is seeing what you have believed. Now, I think worry is probably the key word here. We worry about things and people we cannot control, And sometimes we worry about not being able to just be in control. Many times we worry just for the sake of worrying. We worry about our food and clothes. We worry about how to fit into groups in our culture. 
We worry about our homes. But we often forget about God and God's role in our lives and what it means to live from a perspective of being blessed. As we approach our Lenten time together, it would seem to me that the first step toward a healthier life is to get our thinking back in order. Now, John the Baptist and Jesus both began their ministries with the word repent. And what exactly does it mean to repent? But to come to a new way of thinking, to turn from your old worried ways, and to devote more time to kingdom thinking, striving for a kingdom of justice and mercy and grace. It is a kingdom of love and forgiveness where prejudice is unheard of and pride and inflated egos, they just don't exist. It is a kingdom where greed is absent. And I think we find ourselves increasingly striving to prepare for our future, for tomorrow, without really living in the present. Yet the present, right now, really defines the future in very many ways and allows us to profit from our mistakes of the past. There's an old rock and roll song by the Who. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? When you hear that piece of music, like many pieces of music, you hear it again and it's just difficult to get that out of your mind. And I think one of the hopes of worship, of our time that we spend together in this place, is that the Spirit of God is so present to us and in us that it is like that tune. You just can't get it out of your head. It takes a permanent place in your souls so that our life is really framed around what we can affirm about God and our care for the world. And we go out from this place with the truth of the resurrection in our hearts and we live like it means everything. Everything. Now the gospel story, if you read it, is really a story about being on the move, of having no place to lay one's head, of going wherever the Spirit moves us. It's a story of being homeless, of giving up home and possessions in order to follow Jesus. And you know what? There are people who still do that today. There are those who go and serve. There are those who go and serve causes of peace and justice. They actually go to temporarily live in places of conflict and to willingly stand on edgy borders for peace. And most of us, we just could not do that. Really because, well, planning is big on our agenda. We want to make the best use of our time and we want to eliminate distractions. We even hire life coaches. Those who will sit down with us and help us lay out a plan of what they believe is necessary to build a successful life or business. We believe that we can plan our way into the future. And the irony here, as we all know, is that planning can indeed be a dead end because the best laid plans of mice and men sometimes go... You don't know that one? Awry. The best laid plans of mice and men sometimes go awry. And Jesus reminds us in this Sermon on the Mount this morning 
that over-planning is just not necessary. For each new day provides new experiences that we've not planned on. In fact, planning almost makes us miss the unexpected. And Jesus reminds us again today that God breathes through all of life in the smallest particle to the most complex reality, which is probably us. Beauty is found in all things, and the supreme love of God breathes through everything. Grace is embedded in life. It's relational, and our response to it makes a difference to what becomes of it. So what Jesus is offering to those who originally attended the Sermon on the Mount and to all of us all these years later is really a new way of seeing reality. To see a brand new way. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime event. We constantly need to change our perception. And when we open ourselves up to the presence of God, we can live without that blasted safety net, without a plan, without the worry-free mirage that all things are properly worked out the Spirit will help to shift our attitudes, even towards those who are different from us. So we're once again encouraged to see our world as holy earth. The creation is full of the beauty of God, and our job is to see it and to work with it. It's to see different as beautiful. And when we see that this is the truth about life, we're once again encouraged to care for all around us. It is to see the world as full of meaning even before we get there. It's to learn from others and to honor their insights about this core truth, that all life is in spirited. Ruach, the bird for breath and spirit, allows you to understand that you breathe spirit in and you breathe spirit out with each breath that you take. That is your present. Now we need to wonder how the world might actually change if we treated the world and those who are in it as having something to teach us. It might just allow us to join with our brothers and sisters to create a new reality, a new way of thinking about life that says simply this, we are in this together, and we need one another to fix what is broken. It could happen. It could happen. Amen.